again to another episode of the Unknown Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald. You can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. Joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, of course, you can find at Horizon Matt you on Twitter, and you can find us on Twitter at Horizon RT. You can find us on Facebook at Horizon Roundtable, and you can find us on the web at HorizonRoundtable.com. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. And and Matt, um, actually, I've been waiting for waiting a while to, to have this conversation, but the, 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 it seems the circumstances. Um, Really necessitated me going, uh, going and finding uh, this particular individual, this this legend of Northern Kentucky basketball, and um, so so I'm excited to have uh, the one, the only Drew McDonald on the podcast today. Drew, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's uh, feels like it's been a long time coming, but I'm glad to be on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, last time I think I think we had we had attempted to uh, to, uh, get, to touch base with each other to get you on. I think the last time that happened, I think Jimmy was still a co-host. <laughs> That's how long ago that was. Anyway, um, and by the well, way, we've to be... upgraded now, haven't we? <laughs> um, I just want to say for the record that Drew and I are not related in any way whatsoever. <laughs> not at all. No, not even close. I am aware. That's right, exactly. So we'll find out like on twenty three and me one of these days we're like fourteenth cousins or something. So, <laughs> but anyway, um, anyway, I just uh, obviously you know as a as as we've seen over the last well, I want to say about a month or so. Um, I want to we want to get Drew on because not well obviously not just to catch up with him about kind of what he's been up to lately but um, obviously the the news that has been um, that has been going on at the University of Cincinnati involving uh, Drew's former coach and former uh, Northern Kentucky coach John Brennan um, obviously that's in you know that that's quite a convoluted situation over there where. Um, yeah, it, it's it's the whole thing just seems weird to me. Um, and, and Drew, I, I I guess you can shed some light on. Um, I I, can't, I don't really understand it because this is you know you played with Coach Brandon, and I you know this 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 all seems pretty bizarre to me. Um, but I know nothing, so <laughs> what? Well, um, you know the the floor is yours. Okay, so yeah, you're right. It's a lot going on. Um, I'm not sure how much people outside of the area know what's going on, so I can kind of get everyone caught up real quick. Yeah, that's great. Coach Brandon went to, yeah, Coach Brandon went to the University of Cincinnati two years ago um, after my senior year. Um, after his first year, which was the year the tournament got canceled, he won the regular season with UC. Um, Trey Scott, Jaron Cumberland were both all American League players. Chris Vogt, obviously from Northern, went there. Um, Javen Cumberland was there from Oakland. So there were some connections to the Horizon League, but Coach Brennan went on. They won the American that first year. Um, obviously, they lost some key players. Mm-hmm. This last year, they were young. They still had Keith Williams and Chris Vogt um, were their seniors. They had a couple more transfers in, um, big recruiting class. Uh, and then with COVID, it was just a weird year. Um, overall across all college basketball, something I didn't want to be a part of, obviously, like that would be horrible. I couldn't even imagine it. 
Um, but they had their ups and downs with any team with a young roster. And they ended up finishing, I think it was fourth or fifth in the American regular season. Huh? Uh, they went on a ru- they went on a run to yeah they weren't reach the championship yeah yeah they, they went, yeah I, the I, yeah they they be, they ended up being they ended up facing uh, Houston in the finals if I recall and um yeah, I don't remember that because Houston. because you know Cincinnati beat up Houston and then about two weeks later did the same thing to Cleveland State yeah <laughs> almost Houston, the exact same obviously. thing. As we went on the sea, Houston was a pretty good team, and they beat up on UC pretty well that game. Um, yes. And that's just where the whole saga started. Um, things started kind of coming out about Coach Brandon practices. They had a multiple people opt out during the year. A couple went to the transfer portal right after the year ended, some of their freshmen. Um, and then the university started an internal investigation on the coaching staff as players were complaining about the staff for a variety of reasons. Um, They put Coach Brain on paid administrative leave, and then about a week later they um, fired him with cause, which means they didn't have to pay him about $5 million of his buyout. Mm. Um, Yeah, since then, um, more people have come out with more details. There have been multiple articles written um, by an anonymous source within the program, um, Jaron Cumberland came back and did an article with The Athletic. Um, pretty much all on the side of the university saying that Coach Brandon, pretty much saying practices were too long. There was a certain instance in October where they did this drill that I vividly remember doing the exact same drill multiple times and longer and harder, but um, saying the drill was over strenuous saying people who were throwing up and passed out during the drill. Um, The AD, who did not hire Brandon, that's just to note that he wrote up Coach Brandon saying the drill is over strenuous, just kind of like as a warning. Um, Nothing really proceeded after that, and then obviously they went on to fire him at at the end of the year. Uh, I see. So – and that was back in October, and got written up like the first week in November. So, just for a little ah. timeline on that. Okay. So, That's... so as of right now, there's, I would assume there's going to be lawsuits because Coach Brandon didn't get his buyout. There were rumors that Cincinnati couldn't afford the buyout. So, huh. it's been a big saga. And then, as of Monday, an article with, where Jaron Cumberland came out, um, defending the university, saying, kind of confirming these things in his eyes. Um, I decided, and after talking with a lot of my former teammates and some people within the university staff, that it's not necessarily exactly what the public sees is going on, what actually happened. So, no, and Drew, that's interesting. I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Um, Drew, I'm just curious, have you or any of your like former teammates, obviously you guys you know, are very close with Coach Brandon, have you had a chance to talk to him since all this has gone on? I've yes, I have. Um, I've uh, but that's nothing really new. I've been talking with Coach Brandon pretty regular regularly since I graduated. Um, but I have talked to him multiple times since all this has gone down. Mostly, it's not even been about this, but it is an elephant in the room, so it does come up every once in a while. Sure. Well, that, sure. that's really what my question is going to be. Is you know, obviously, this is a lot on him, but how is Coach Brandon currently? Like, I mean, if you ignore this somehow, like you said, elephant in the room, but I mean, how is he doing? 
Um, I think he's hanging in there. I think it's tough for him. He can't really say much just with sure. the legal side of things coming up soon, I believe. Um, so he's been kind of staying quiet, his side of things. Um, but it's tough. I mean, he grew up right across the river. I mean, literally 10 minutes from the school. And um, in his eyes, he feel like didn't do anything wrong. And people are kind of dragging his name through the mud. Just It's just tough. Um, from what I've heard, and but he's hanging in there, so we'll see how it all plays out. The whole situation just again, it seems really bizarre to me, just because this is uh, again, this is the same guy who, you know, this is the same guy you played for, and you know, you 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 came up, you know, from that transition to Division One, and you know, really excelled within the Horizon League, and then, you know, it just seems bizarre to me that somehow, you know, he goes to a new venue, and then from what it sounds like, you know, anything that could be perceived that is something that deviates from, you know, whatever they think was right, is 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 kind of, it just doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense to me, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, I've done a couple interviews talking with people about it. And I understand not every coach is for every player. And that goes for anyone out there. It goes for Coach K. That goes for John Calipari. I mean, that's just – everyone's wired different. Everyone's motivated different. Um, Everyone has a different coaching style. But some of the accusations out there are just – it baffled me. When I first started hearing all this come out, I kind of was taken back. I was like, okay, like try and gather as much information because obviously I have a lot of connections on the inside. And I've even been to a couple of their practices. I've been, went to several of their games. Um, I still talk to a lot of people. I mean, he pretty much the entire staff went to UC. I know several sure. other um, support staff over there as well. Um, so I just tried to talk with them, get, gather as much information. I mean, it's been pretty consistent across the board that a lot of these allegations out there are either twisted, not being told the whole story, or just not true. So, Drew, my question for you, like, um, I was also one of the people this year that I was fortunate to get to actually attend games as media. So you said you went to some Cincinnati games this year? Is that right? Not this year. Uh, I went oh, okay. to the previous years, the, oh. just the restrictions and stuff. But I did go when his first year I went to several games. The only reason I ask is I found this year, especially without fans, that body language from players was, like, so much more present. Like, there's no hiding these things where sometimes they could get lost in the game. So I was curious if you could talk about it but if you weren't there during the games this year then it's probably a little bit harder to speak on yeah i mean i watched a lot of them um almost all of them just support and coach and i mean chris vote play on the team still it's a former teammate and a lot of guys are involved in the organization so i did watch and it's it's something that i do notice when um really any coach brandon team plays just because i've gone through it so i understand what the players are feeling what they're thinking what's going through their heads stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, I didn't really notice much of a difference, to be honest with you, like from the players, like nothing really jumped out at me, but it's, it, it's tough to tell on TV as opposed to being there in person. So one of the things that it, it seems to me, and, and maybe I, maybe I'm kind of misreading the situation. It seems like the, you know, the, the, the Cincinnati community is as a whole didn't exactly embrace coach Brandon to begin with. I could be wrong on that one, but you know, they, it didn't say, you know, 
once all this all this came out there, you know, you you, you saw a lot of the uh, you know the the whole mm-hmm. I told you so thing coming out. So I mean, I, I don't know if that's you know if, if you're getting the things uh, read on that as I am, but you know, and maybe I'm completely misreading yeah. the situation too as well. Because I do that. From no, time. I think. Yeah, no, I think you do have a good kind of feel on it. I think when Coach Brandon was hired, it was a very divisive community, UC community. Um, from what it read, it sounded like it was between him and Nick Van Exel were the kind of final two. Um, I don't know that as a fact, but, I mean, obviously, UC community, when you have one of your own, a former player, it's kind of easy to get behind that to yeah. want him to be the coach. So, I think Coach Brandon being an outsider and – UC fans do – they do love their basketball. They do love their history. Uh, they do. A little bit – yeah, they, they love their history, and they live on that. Um, so, I guess a little bit of – they had this long historic past when Coach Brandon came to Northern who just went Division One, and that's the coach they hired. Um, sure. I think it was a great hire, obviously, but I can see some fans who aren't as dedicated to watching college basketball throughout the country – kind of see that as like we just hired a coach who just went division one so i mean there was kind of a divisive community when coach brandon got hired and definitely right now it's even more so sure sure um so now that we got that out of the way and, and obviously you know you, you're you, because you you know you played for coach brandon your your supporters obviously your, your support is obviously unwavering. It's it's pretty clear from just the, just this conversation alone. Yeah, uh, I mean, I wanted to make sure I had everything. Like Coach Brandon's done so much for me in my career, not just basketball, but off the court as well. Sure. Um, so I'm gonna have his back through hell, hell or high water. Um, but mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to give you all the information before I really came out and was talking about it. And of the course. more people I talk to, it's all consistent. Like, their stories are very consistent of what's going on, who were there. Um, there's a lot of facts I wish I could say, but I'm not in position to to say that at this time. Not understandable. Um, it's, it's a story that's just getting started, I want to say, and it's going to be something to keep an eye on um, for college basketball mm-hmm. fans out there, how it plays out. Sure, sure. So – Kind of going beyond that, obviously, wanted, like I said, we've been, I've wanted to get you on the podcast for a little while, um, you know, because of just the just the impact, not obviously not just Coach Brandon, but you have had on you know, on Northern Kentucky basketball. Um, so, you know, one of the one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, you know, when you think about the time you were there, what are your, you know, what are your best, you know, memories of that, you know, of that time? And um, Matt, you might want to cover your ears. One of them might be coming up. I'm prepared for this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so much that jumps out just from my time there. Um, we'll go ahead and get it out of the way. Just some of the plays, <laughs> um, the final shot against Oakland, but you get, we'll just say that. That's a, that's a pretty Drew, good highlight. Drew, Drew, no one else is listening. It's just me and you. Let's talk about that for just a second. Do you ever, <laughs> okay. do you ever look at that photo and think, man, Javen was close? Here's the thing is I didn't realize how close he was until I watched the game and saw pictures of it. I felt like I was wide open, to be honest with you. Man, if um, only his coach had told him, make sure we switch everything before that play happened, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. If, 
probably would have played out different. Uh, but it it that, that ending was it didn't feel nerve wracking. It didn't feel like the end of my career was on the line. It just kind of I think some of that goes to even I mean not to go back to Coach Brandon, but the way he prepared us. I mean, I shot that shot working on that slip screen all year long, multiple times a day, multiple days a week. And Coach Brown was just so calm in that huddle. It seems like he watched hours of films on Oakland, and he, he told us that they were going to mess the screen up. He said they're going to try and switch, and they always mess it up. So um, he was prepared for it. Yep. We, put the ball, right. we put the ball in JT's hands and said, go make a play. And we all have tremendous tr- trust in JT. I mean, we saw what he did at Arkansas. He was the best yes. player on their team in the tournament. So He was. Yes, um, absolutely. So that was obviously – one of the best moments of my career. But then when I just sit and think about it, a lot of it's honestly just the bonding in the locker rooms with the, with my teammates who I'm still best friends with almost all of them to this day. And just seeing the community I was part of growing up kind of come together to support us as we're a new division one school. And we had all this success and we kind of were all going through it together. So that was something really cool to experience. Um, and one of the other things I want to I, one of the things I wanted to ask you as well is um, as far as the um, you know the experience of going not to you know being not getting to the postseason getting in the NCAA tournament in such short time, um, especially for a team that's transitioning to Division One. Uh, you know, how do you describe that that feeling, especially? You know, the, considering the success you guys had during that time when Coach Brandon was there and you were there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have the chills just thinking about it now. Like, that was always my dream as a kid was to play in the NCAA tournament. Um, some is to be an NBA pro. Some is to be an astronaut. Some is a bunch of things. Mine was always to play in the NCAA tournament. Like, the mm-hmm. Thursday and Friday of the tournament are, like, my two favorite days of the year. You, you'll never be able to convince me otherwise. It's just – that's always been my dream. And I knew going to Northern, I was eliminating a possibility of going to the tournament for one year because we were still in that probation period. Yes. Um, I never really questioned if we were going to get there. It was almost like we got so lost in just trying to get better in the process, as people say, while we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, I never would have thought our first year we would have went. And even, like – thinking about it now I remember being in Detroit and watching Valpo lose and watching Oakland lose and watching Green Bay lose and all of a sudden we're the four seed with the highest seed or lowest seed however you want to describe it remaining in the tournament um but even then like we never really thought we were going to go at that point we just continued to do our everyday thing and um it's something special it really is sure sure um now let me ask you about yeah and, and obviously after you after you left <laughs> turns out the next year <laughs> Northern Kentucky did it again. Um, unfortunately, obviously COVID prevented uh, Northern Kentucky from making it uh, actually participating in that NCAA tournament. Um, have you had an you know looking at the team now, um, especially this past season when you look at you know a team that was it has been very is, is pretty young you know you have three freshmen 
on that team that really could made a contribution, not to mention Marquez Work, who was the freshman of the year. It was kind of a no-brainer on that one. When you look at when you look at the, the team right now, um, do you see kind of uh, any you know reflections of you know what you you know of your of the teams that you were on, um, and you know how how are you you know have, have you had any conversations with any of the current players at all? Yeah, I mean I've talked with a couple of the current players. Um, I'm still live around the area, and I obviously know Trayvon and Adrian and like Paul yeah. before he transferred out. So I still talk to those guys all the time. And um, I mean, I watched almost every game this year. And that team, it, I think what gets lost with that team was the leadership that Trayvon brought. Because you mentioned how young they were. Um, yes. And now you look at someone like Trayvon Faulkner, who his first two seasons was looked at as go out there and play hard, guard the best player on the other team. And if you have an available shot, take it. And now he is the leader on the team. When stuff's going sure. bad, they look to him. So you talk about a complete role change. So you're looking at all these new guys um, who are in a completely different environment. I mean, all the freshmen obviously are playing college basketball for the first time, and that's a huge jump. And then you got Trayvon, who's in a completely new role. Adrian was asked to take on more of a role. Um, I thought the year they had last year was spectacular. Um, I think oh, yeah. the freshman class they had come in. I think the freshman class they have come in, I mean, obviously led by Marquez, but also David Bam and Trey Robinson, I think they could be really special. Um, and I'm really excited for the future of this program. I've talked with Coach Horn multiple times, and I think he's a great fit for the university. And obviously he's proven to have success in the postseason with Western. So I'm excited. Now I'd be remiss. I'm sorry, go ahead, John. Go ahead, Matt. Do you uh, uh, Drew, after you graduated, you chose to not go play pro ball anywhere, and you're still in the area, like you said, right? Are, are You're coaching, are you not, locally? I am not coaching currently. Um, I am locally. Okay. I, am, I live, I mean, I grew up about seven minutes from campus, and then mm-hmm. I actually just bought a house where if you pull out of my neighborhood, you literally look at BB&T Arena. So I couldn't be closer to NKU right now. But, yes, I still live locally. But okay, but I thought I thought I heard somewhere or read somewhere that you were coaching high school or something recently. But I was going to ask, are you looking to coach in the future, or have you kind of moved on away from basketball and are living like your you know an adult life somewhere else doing other things? I'm definitely living an adult life doing other things, but I definitely want to get back into basketball as well. Um, I kind of want to take a year or two off and kind of get my professional life in terms of my business career started. Um, kind of get on my feet, get settled as an adult it's been a complete lifestyle change um but basketball is such a big part of my life and something i love and i definitely want to get back whether it's coaching whether it's just doing lessons and training kids or refereeing games i definitely want to get back into the game at some point my other question for you i've been much like bob we've been waiting to talk to you for a while i heard a crazy rumor Right when you graduated or you were done with basketball, that you still technically had a year of professional or not a, a year of college eligibility, and you're a phenomenal golfer. And something about you almost playing for the NKU golf team. Any truth to this? Yes. Um, oh. So you are right. You are right. When you are a college athlete, you get five years of eligibility, um, but you can only play four in one sport. 
so I had conversations, and Coach Landrum's the golf coach, and I've known Coach Landrum since I was four or five years old probably. Um, so I sat down with him, and going into college, I did have an offer to play go- for NKU golf as well. Um, I had a chance to do both if I wanted, but I chose just to play basketball. So I sat down with Coach Landrum, and I'm like, all right, Coach, like, is this possible? Is this – do you have a room on your roster? Um, just kind of sit down and talk about the logistics. And it definitely was possible. And I actually told him, committed to him. for So for about a week to two weeks, I was actually on the NKU golf team. Um, but something didn't feel right. I didn't feel like I was able to give everything I had to golf. And to me, to take that spot from someone else or not to give the team everything I had just wouldn't allow, like, wouldn't sit well with me. So I chose not to play. That's still a pretty incredible story. (laughs) That is, that is. And as as we find out now in hindsight, that probably was, you know, because they ended up canceling the golf season in the spring anyway because of COVID. So obviously that was, you know, in hindsight, you probably, you know, it was even, even if you had, you know, made that choice you know it would you wouldn't have had an opportunity to participate just because of the situation well, i guess i guess technically i could still be playing college golf right now with the whole COVID rules i don't know how it all ended up working out but i know they got another year back and that would have been this year so yes. maybe i could have been still playing i don't you know it's but true uh, you would have been yes i I'm happy how it all played out. I'm very appreciative for Coach Landrum even giving me that opportunity and thinking uh, that highly of me, even after not playing as much golf as I would have liked to the last four, well, previous four years going into that. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'm super appreciative and um, root for nothing but the best for the golf team at Northern. Are you back to playing golf more regularly now? I try and play as much as possible. Um, that was kind of my – mindset going like even during college but uh basketball and some requirements got in the way so now i have a little bit more free time i try i play multiple times a week there you go um so yeah let, let's talk about the you know let's talk about what you uh what, what you've been up to since graduation um i i know that you've been you know um tell us a little bit about you know what you what you've been involved in since, since you left uh, northern kentucky so, um, I graduated in May of 2019, and um, like I said, I graduated with a marketing degree, um, always kind of had a business background, just kind of wanted to get into the business world. So, currently, I work at a medical company called Patient Aids. I'm a sales rep for them, selling um, home medical equipment, and I enjoy it. It's a good time. It's a great industry and something I want to be in. Um, as far as so uh, uh, hobby-wise, obviously, I play a lot of golf. Still hang out with a bunch of the former players like Cole Murray, uh, Matt Rosenwinkel. So I talk to them a lot. Dean Danos. So they all still live in the area. Dean's actually in dental school at IUPUI. So a little bit of a Horizon League rivalry a little bit that we go back and forth. But, um, yeah, I'm still in the area. It's where I was born and raised. So um, I'm happy to be here and I'm enjoying life right now. You're kind of just missing Northern Kentucky. That's, that's awesome. There you go. Never too far away from home. Nope, not at all. I mean, I I tell people all the time I want the college closer than I want the high school. Just a little fun fact. So there you go. There you go. I know your one teammate must be fairly excited. They just got IUPUI just got a new coach, Matt Crenshaw. 
So, and we had him on a we had a pro on a previous episode, and uh, you know he's a, he's a he's a proud uh, you know guy's got his number retired, so he's he's obviously he he is also a uh, uh, Jaguar legend. So yeah, that, yeah I'm sure your your guys uh, should be really excited about that that change. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I follow the Horizon League as much as possible. Um, obviously, knowing a lot of the coaches and the play styles, and there's been some turnovers, but even um, some of that rivalry still lives in me. It's still really tough for me to root for that team from uh, Dayton. <laughs> as much as so, when they play, I don't know if I'm really rooting for the Horizon League too much, but. Um, yeah, I still follow along. I love mid-major basketball. I think I almost prefer to watch mid-major basketball as opposed to high-major basketball. I sure. think just the quality of it. I think the coaching and adjustment side of it, the X's and O's, is um, the best you're going to get in any sport, any level of basketball. So I love watching sure. it. And obviously I'm itching to get back to NKU games as much as possible. Um, just obviously a big, how big a role that's played in my life. It's something I want to be involved in for as long as I can see. So I'm excited. I watch as much basketball as possible. It's the best sport in the world. I'm glad you mentioned, uh, I'm glad you mentioned the whole right state thing. We had, we had Billy Wampler on, uh, on the podcast uh, a couple months ago and um, he was very, uh, uh, obviously Northern, the Northern Kentucky right state rivalry. Uh, it's it's still pretty young, but it's still pretty strong, and even today it is. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely strong, and it kind of came on quickly. Um, I think obviously being an hour apart plays a lot into it, but I think both universities are very similar um, as far as the makeup of them. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Dayton and Dayton and Xavier, who's from Cincinnati, they have a pretty big rivalry, so the two cities don't really like each other that much. Um, in general, but you look at neither of us have football like a lot of Horizon League schools do. Both of our arenas are very similar. We both have two of the biggest fan bases in the uh, for the Horizon League teams. Uh, new coaches have come in and had success. We've both had a very, I mean, high level of success. Most of the times, it comes down to that game, NKU versus uh, Wright State for the Horizon League uh, title. It's been up until this year, the last what was it? Four years, one yeah. of us represented. One of us represented each other in the tournament. I yeah, mean, I'd like to correct. remind us yeah. that NKU was three of the four. So just throwing that out there. But it's that definitely were. those were the best games. We, those were the most fun games to go to. Um, just it's easy to get going when you're going to a game and you know you're going to have seven, eight thousand people at the game and on ESPN two or ESPNU and. Um, it means something. So it's just that natural rival rivalry just kind of came about. So Drew, as you know, as, as a former player, not that far removed. If you if you were still in the Horizon League right now, what are you thinking when you hear Pat Baldwin Jr. sign in with Dad to play for Milwaukee? Like you're going to get Pat Baldwin Jr. for a year if you're on a roster right now. Like what's going through your head? Um, obviously that's going to make Milwaukee a team to contend with. Um. But you don't play too much. I don't never really pay too close of attention to the freshmen. But obviously, when you get a five star and top five recruit in the nation, that does kind of open some eyes up a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, you still got 
play the game. You still got the ball gets tipped. The tournament, you never know what happens in the tournament. I mean, you've seen crazy things happen. You've seen one, two, and three teams lose. I've seen I've seen one, two, and three teams lose. I've seen um, last second shots go in down two with like ten seconds ago. Just saying, but I mean, you see a bunch of crazy stuff happening. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's definitely it's good for the Horizon League in general. Um, the more the better teams we have, the better our conference RPI is. The better C we'll get into the tournament. The better chance we have to win a tournament game. So I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm actually kind of happy. I'm excited. Hopefully, I can get in to watch him play when they play at BB&T Arena. But um, I'll be following him throughout the year. Well, and my last question for you, at least, is you mentioned hopefully you can get in to watch him play in BB&T Arena. BB&T Arena. I have to say, here at Horizon Roundtable, where we cover all of the schools in the Horizon League, we also hope that we can get someone from our squad in at BB&T Arena to watch him and Northern Kentucky in general, because your school has us locked out. Do you have any advice for us to make sure that maybe Northern Kentucky would finally give us the same chance that every other Horizon League school gives us? Um, don't say groveling. We don't do groveling. <laughs> Is there like a magic keyword, like I... Norse for life? Like, what do we have to say to get into the club there? <laughs> If I knew, I'd tell you. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I just would go and do interviews, and whoever showed up, showed up. So I don't know the whole process behind that. But if I can find it out, I'll let you know. There you go. There you go. Maybe we just need yeah. to bring Drew on our on, onto our team. Not that we're replacing Tyler or anything, but maybe if Drew's on our team, they would finally just give us the the credential that we've been asking for. There you go. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Um, actually, I'm glad you mentioned kind of the excitement, the craziness of, uh, of the uh, specifically of the tournament and things like that, because obviously, the, and I'm sure you were paying, you, you saw just the absolute insanity of Horizon League, the Horizon League tournament this year, um, specifically Northern Kentucky and David Bam. Um, that's then, by the way, that, that's why you do tip drills, folks. So, you know, guys like David Bam can do that and beat and, and beat uh, Detroit Mercy. Um, so when you look at the, when you look at kind of the excitement from just that set of games from the tournament, and you look at and I, I think you might have already mentioned this already, but where where do you why you know how excited are you you know even more excited to hope that that exact same thing happens again next year specifically not just at campus sites I, I don't know if they you know how they're going to work the the, the new format the, uh, the the tournament format next year but definitely um at, at uh, in indianapolis yeah i'm i love the tournament i love the conference tournament um like you mentioned anything can happen i mean i remember watching yeah. this this year's first round games i was at our local bar right by campus uh, max pizza pub watching with several buddies and uh we had all the games on the tvs and it was like Overtime here, David Bam hits the game winner, and then Cleveland State's in, what is it, three overtimes that they go to? Uh, triple overtime. Yeah. Youngstown and Oakland goes to overtime, and it was just like crazy. There's madness all over the place, and it's everyone's fighting for their career in that one shot to go to the tournament, and that's yeah. that's the best week. I mean, I mean, that would compete with the first couple rounds of the tournament. Just that is eight teams vying for one spot. And that's their career on the line. And um, I mean, the same can be said for the NCAA tournament, but it's 
everyone knows everyone. They know how they're going to yeah. play. You know what plays they're going to run. So it's just about lacing them up and going to make plays, just manning yeah. up and playing the game of basketball in its purest form. So it's uh, – I love the conference tournament. I hope we don't do anything too crazy with it. I think – I mean, obviously everyone has their own opinions. I think home sites, I like – I don't mind home sites at all. Um, I think it makes the regular season worth something more than just the NIT bid. And I think you get those environments at those home sites, obviously not last year, but you can get crazy environments at those home sites that just you can't produce in a large neutral venue. Um, yeah, it's cool to play in Little Caesars. It's cool to play in Indiana Farmers, but uh, you just lack that environment and that intensity that you can get at a home site. I mean, I just sit there and think of like, what my senior year, if we played Wright State in either Dayton or Northern Kentucky, what that environment would have been like. And what, I mean, could it have altered the outcome? Maybe. But, I mean, Wright State did win the regular season that year. So, in my opinion, that I think they deserve the right to host for the tournament. And it makes the regular season worth something. And if you look at it from a conference perspective, if you want to send your best teams, that's one way to go about it. But, like I said, everyone has their own opinions. And as long as it doesn't get too crazy with the rules in this format, I'll be here and I'll like it. Sure. One of the things, it's, it, the other thing that we found uh, I, that was kind of str- crazy about this particular season is the the way that the schedule, the regular season schedule set up um, prior to the tournament, where you actually had a situation where when Northern Kentucky and Detroit Mercy played, that was the first time they had played the entire season. Whereas on the other mm-hmm. side, you had Cleveland State and Purdue Fort Wayne. That was the fifth time they played. So. Um, I'm going to venture to guess that's not going to happen next year. Just kind of throwing that out there. Um, yeah, probably not. Probably. Not. I, I don't think. I don't think NKU and Oakland play in the regular season either. I don't believe I they. Uh, Matt, can you confirm that one? That is correct. They were supposed yeah, to, so, and NKU had to cancel, and that's where Detroit, Oakland ended up playing four times. Gotcha. See, so I mean, both teams at NKU play in the tournament. We didn't play in the regular season at all. It just was weird, but. You know, the last year and a half has been weird. So, yes, it has. Just roll with it. We'll we'll see what happens this year. Hopefully, we can get back to some normalcy. God, I hope so. (laughs) Um, Me both. Yeah. So, um, so the one last thing I wanted to ask you about, um, and we, I know we've asked this for former players. Um, what was your favorite place to play in the Horizon League, and what was your least favorite place to play? Um, well, I'll throw out BB&T Arena just because being our home arena, I, I that was my favorite place to play. But if you're talking about the other yes. venues, um, I mean, I'd probably say Wright State. I know a lot of that has to do with the environment that it brought. But um, it, it is a good arena, and it, that rivalry does exist. And the bigger arena kind of felt like home at BB&T a little bit, so – I'd probably say Wright State. Um, my least favorite, I would say either Detroit or Cleveland State. I never really enjoyed either of those gyms, um, even though I never lost at Detroit. But just it, the old rundown big gym just didn't it, – it's hard. It was always a little harder to get pumped up for a game like that than it would 
even like at Oakland. And the, I, I like Oakland's gym. I know it's very controversial with the court, but I like that smaller gym where you get that better atmosphere. So I'm a lot about the atmosphere you play in. You mean you didn't like going to Detroit Mercy and breathing dust and mothballs and not having more than <laughs> 30 people there? You would be correct. I was going to ask, you didn't like the curtain at the Wolfstein Center? Everybody likes the curtain at the Wolfstein Center, especially me. I mean, if the curtain was, like, not faded and, like, kind of... That curtain, you know how old that curtain is? That curtain is, like, 15 years old. I'm not even making that up. They started using it in, like, 2002, and, 2003, and, or two, and they haven't stopped using it. Uh, they put some overlay on it with a bunch of people, but yeah, it was yeah, very large. Uh, but it's funny that you the curtain the the curtain actually I think, especially this year when there were no fans, I think there was like some mystical powers to it this year, and it actually worked to Cleveland State's advantage as opposed to, to being this thing that we don't understand what's up there why it's up there. Yeah, I mean, it was I don't so mind the curtain. I mean, yeah, Green Bay used the curtain, and I never hated that it was i just think the age of the curtain and it just didn't feel like that gym was ever really kept to the highest standard and uh, i mean obviously cleveland state liked it they had a pretty good record at home this year but uh, yeah someone's got to be last so i would say callahan hall and the wolfstein center there you go there you go uh, don't worry. The, the 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 question of what to do with the Wolfstein Center is a decades-long conversation that probably has no end. <laughs> Take it from me. That's probably not going to be. That's going to be a conversation for years to come. <laughs> um. So, well, Drew. Um. That's going to wrap it up for us. Um. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your insight on your playing days and more specifically, you know, your 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 words about uh, of your former coach, John Brennan. Tell everybody where they can find you. Um, find me on Twitter, um, ATMcDonald34. Um, if you do, I'll just warn you, it's probably a lot of tweets about the Reds, how they frustrate me about 100 days a year. But um, a lot of tweets about the Reds and golf and then when North's come and play. So if you want to follow me and see that kind of stuff, go ahead. Um I am on all social media platforms, but right. I'm probably most active on Twitter. All right, there you go. And that's going to wrap it up for us. Um, I'm not sure what we're doing next week, um, but I'm sure it's going to be something very interesting, I'm sure. So stay tuned. Um, until that point in time, uh, again, HorizonRoundtable.com. That's where you can find all our content. Um, you can find us wherever podcasts are available. And, of course, you can pull us up on your Amazon or Google devices. So until next time, thank you all for listening.